Alright, hello screeners, welcome to a brand new episode of Script to Screen Mini Conversations. I'm actually coming to you live from the Notre Dame University campus, uh, which is currently holding the NDU International Film Festival, which is a brilliant, brilliant uh, gathering of filmmakers and short films and students. Um, it's also one of the only festivals in Lebanon that actually holds workshops and master classes for the filmmakers. Um, and I'm here sitting with a fantastic uh, 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 copyright. <laughs> I, I don't even know what what your what your position is actually. So you're gonna have to jump right in before I introduce you uh, by name. But I'm sitting here with Claudie Obdenkamp, um, who is giving a master class. Today, later today, uh, today is the, it's Tuesday, the 28th, 27th. Um, she's giving a master class on uh, copyright. Uh, yeah, film restoration, actually. But film, oh, okay, yeah. film restoration. Even, even, even more intriguing. So um, why don't you go ahead and give us like a little brief as to how you got to where you are today? Because I, I feel like it's... You know, film restoration is a very yeah. uh, niche. Yeah, yes. it's, it's very a niche. niche. Of a niche. Yeah. So, um, the floor is yours. Great. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, so, my background is in film restoration. I worked for a long time at, at what was then called the Netherlands Film Museum, which is now the I Film Institute in Amsterdam. Um, and I came across um, these films that uh, we couldn't we couldn't use or we couldn't restore because we didn't know who to ask for permission in order to do so. Okay. And that didn't have a name at the time, but uh, the head of collections back then, I was still looking for a, a topic to do my MA dissertation on at the time. Um, I did an MA in film archiving. And uh, he said, are you interested in copyright? And I, I was like, nah, not so much, because copyright was taught to me as a list of things that you're not allowed to do. Mm -hmm. So I never saw it as something that, I don't know, could also have a positive side to it. Uh, but then, you know, he, he opened up this, uh, this conversation saying like, well, you know, there's this one particular film and we have this appetite of people wanting to see it because it's a very famous film in the history of uh, the Netherlands because it's the first feature film that deals with the resistance movement in the Second World War. Wow, okay. Uh, and they had all the elements, the film elements, and uh, there was a, a large group of people who were interested in, in potentially having this on DVD, uh, but no one knew who owed the rights. And this film, granted, is only from the early 60s, so it was it was really odd that no one knew who owned this material, with many people of, of the, the crew still, still alive and, and the cast. So anyway, that became my MA thesis and, uh, you know, before I make this story very long, um, it, it just became the most fascinating thing ever. I I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I, sure, I played cause... detective for three months and, uh, you know, you try to figure out who owns it and then you realize how complicated it, it, it is. But also in a, in a larger scheme of things, um, this then, you know, quickly within a, a couple of years uh, got a name. So these films are called orphan films. Uh, wow. Orphan, okay. Orphan works. So orphan works are um, works, anything, you know, literature, film, uh, music of, of which uh, you don't know who owns them. So you cannot ask for permission in order to then communicate them to an audience or distribute them. Um, and that very quickly became... Um, the, the topic of my PhD research um, and then many years later now I'm uh, 
I'm a lecturer, senior lecturer actually, just recently, um, at Bournemouth University where I teach between the two. So um, both in the film department and intellectual property. And we try to teach our students that if they ever want to be able to pay the rent from the art that they make, that they have to understand what intellectual property is. And um, I co-teach a class with a colleague who's a producer uh, and we come at the topic from, from different angles. Well, that, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's very interesting, this, this idea of intellectual property as we enter an even more complex uh, digital uh, age because now anybody can, you know, with, with stuff being posted, you know, on, on yeah. YouTube and Vimeo and your stuff is out there. And, and, and I'm sure that, that the law needs, I don't know if it's fully changed yet, but it, it has to go through this kind of... Uh, uh, a restoration in and of yeah, itself. Oh, that's um, a good one. I never thought about that. Uh, because it, it, the, the same rules don't seem to apply anymore. Well, I mean, there's there's a couple of, uh, you know, these these sort of sayings that everybody always uses because the, the copyright, as, as we... Uh, well, actually not as we know it, but the very first uh, copyright law is, is from the early 1700s in, in you know, a time in which copying was literally someone taking a pen yeah. and yeah. copying uh, a book or I guess most likely a, a Bible uh, by hand. And so fast forward, you know, somewhat 300 years later, we are um, living in a time where copying is, is a mere click of a button. So obviously... The law in in these three hundred years has has changed, but yeah, there is a it, it's somewhat of a of a patchwork, if you want, the way it's been um, it's been put together to sort of keep up with um, with these new technological developments, right? And I think typically what you see is the law tends to be reactive. It it it, it cannot really be prescriptive, right? right. In the sense that it uh, it um it cannot predict. Predictive is, is perhaps the better word. Uh, it cannot predict technologies um, to come. So um, that's often why you hear that this sort of patchwork, you know, has, has come together. Um, but it cannot really fully, right, uh, yeah, control it or police it. For and, sure. and, and maybe nor should it, right? Because uh, creativity as we know it today or i mean look look at what what's standing here in front of us right how easy it is for you to do this set up a mini radio radio studio Um, on my own so that has changed so tremendously that yes the, the, the law is changing and there's many things um in 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 you know many ways in which this has recently been uh been tried to to implement particularly in in the uk and the us i want to say yeah. Um, sorry. No. Yeah. I mean, because you know, it, it is very interesting. You sometimes, um, you know, let's kind of like bring it back to Lebanon and and what the students here uh, uh, deal with. Because you know, in academia, we try to teach them about you know that there are these rules that exist yeah. that you cannot simply take someone's work or take music from, let's say, a particular film or whatever and apply it to your own. Um, but then they go and they watch, you know, television series that, you know, will simply adapt a movie, which happened a few years ago. They took uh, The Holiday mm. and they adapted it into a 30-episode mm. television series, oh. used the entirety of Hans Zimmer's music, and they just broadcast it on television. Really? 
So, and there's nobody to, there's nobody to follow up on that. There's nobody to say, hey, no, you know, like, so we teach them that it's wrong, but then they go outside and they see that people are doing it. So, um, we're, we're in Lebanon, we're stuck in this like weird, circuitous, um, bad ways of production kind of um so it's it's very interesting hearing you talk about you know like intellectual property and all that stuff which are things that I studied when I was studying in the U.S. and you know like and now we're here and we're trying to bring awareness which is again that's a very good thing and and, you know you said earlier you were like I don't understand you know what brought me here and I'm like no no we need the awareness that that you know, well, what was fascinating this morning, because I've been speaking to Joseph for, for several hours now, is that, you know, I've sort of been brought here to do this masterclass on this combination of, um, you know, what do concepts as the public domain or orphan works uh, mean in, in film restoration and how does um, copyright uh, play a role in that. But one of the first things I heard this morning is that, well, you know, we live in a country where, well, first of all, there aren't that many rules, and and most important of all is uh, whatever there is isn't respected. Mm-hmm. So now I'm sort of desperately trying to rethink my presentation, like what can I change between now and an hour? Or at least, you know, um, sort of, uh, I guess, acknowledge that that is happening. And I think particularly for film production or media production students, I think what's important is that it's all nice and well within, I guess, the four protective wall of an educational mm-hmm. institution. Mm-hmm. But um, if, uh, you know, if you want to screen your work more internationally and say you want to go to a festival in the US or the UK, uh, I, I guess that's not going to fly. Right, right. I mean, right. And this to, is, uh, you know, and this is where um, I think uh, the conversation then uh, uh, becomes more relevant for uh, uh, you know a country like Lebanon and young filmmakers in Lebanon, uh, which is if you want to get out of the Lebanon box, right. then you That's have to pay attention yeah. to these rules. Yeah. And and I think uh, you know that is a very interesting conversation because I I feel like the majority of our productions, um, aside from films like Nadine Labake's mm-hmm. uh, recent uh, Capernaum, mm-hmm. um, you know the Insult last year, mm-hmm. which was nominated mm-hmm. for the yeah. Best Foreign Picture. Yeah. Oscar, um, aside from those few uh, flukes, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, the majority of our, co- our our productions really simply focus on, well, we just want to make a movie for Lebanon right. instead right. of expanding yeah. and yeah. reaching that, that world yeah. audience. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, and, and conversating about copyright and intellectual property, I think, allows us to think broader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating to hear you say that. Um, so you think that if, if um, students stay within the realm of this country that they also wouldn't need to know about it? Well, I feel like not that they wouldn't need to know about it. I, I feel for me as, as a person who like loves movies and loves this entire art form, yeah. um, for me, the more awareness you yes. get and, yes. and, and, and uh, um, you know, the more conversations you have about cinema, the better. Yeah. Um, but it is this almost like, 
well, we live in our bubble, and whatever mm-hmm. occurs in our bubble is in our bubble, sure. so... But also, I mean, you know, there's so many other things that you can learn about the profession in the meantime, so why would you learn about these rules that don't apply to you anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. one of the one of the filmmakers' works I'm going to show this afternoon is a young um, uh, English filmmaker called Charlie Line, whose work is absolutely uh, fantastic. And he put together, um, this film is called Beyond Clueless, uh, which is uh, sort of a found footage film if you like entirely put together by uh, clips of other films oh, okay. and this is about the the tropes in sort of high school cinema and uh, it's, 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 it's amazing it's feature length uh, he screened it at South by Southwest uh, yeah. festival in, uh, in Texas it's a pretty big festival ago. yeah and then uh, someone immediately uh, liked it and came up to him uh, afterwards and the first question was who is your lawyer right um he then said he didn't have one because he had just made this because um you know out of his i don't know uh, his own interest and uh, it started as an essay and that he had written and then he cut a film to it um but then what happened is he then got a lawyer because in you know to get a, a um a distribution deal in in the US he needed to so called uh, errors and omissions yeah. insurance yeah. for which he then needed you know the the magical document that either says that you have uh, licensed every clip in your work and that you know you indem- indemnify um, who, whoever it is that screens your film, or um, that you have a lawyer go through um, whatever it is that you use and and uh, guarantees your fair use uh, um, use of, of of that work, and so he got to work with a really famous. Um, uh, uh, legal agency who specializes in fair use, so Donaldson and, and Caleb in, uh, in California. Um, and then he got, you know, a distribution deal and then it, uh, it, it became the success that it is known in us today. And that was, to me was so eye opening that you don't necessarily start out that way, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic mm-hmm. idea. And he made this film. But then it became sort of, uh, it, it, it acquired this, this extra legal level. And now his work that he makes a lot under fair dealing exceptions, as it's called in, in the UK, he starts with a lawyer. So he has now a lawyer that he works with locally in, um, in London, who has sort of actively become part of his creative environment, which is, which is a fascinating Amazing, yeah. It's like, like this beautiful, yeah, like legal and creativity yeah. and, and all that stuff. And then just, he sort of guides him through, you know, how can you or sh- should you perhaps not oh, read very interesting. The, the material of someone else, yeah. That's which very interesting. to me is fascinating because I've always been interested in found footage filmmaking, which sort of traditionally was seen as... Um, as reusing material that were considered the leftovers, and sometimes quite literally, right? Yeah. Filmmakers would uh, would go through the bins of film labs and find leftover films, and and then make their art out of that. Um, and now it has become, and like you say, even in the the, the last few years, it has come to the fore because of this digital environment copying right because i was gonna easy. say like youtube there's a, so many video essays exactly. on youtube exactly. on vimeo yeah. talking about this filmmaker's style or yeah. whatever yeah. critiquing a movie and yeah. it's like so, so how does that how does that yeah. work like exactly. you're not doing anything to take away from the filmmaker right. but technically you're still using their work yeah. to promote your thesis so, or your idea or so uh, you know fair use is such a gray area mm-hmm. in in into you know in copyright and, and, and you it's know like, what the funny thing is i mean the more 
I read about it and the more I speak to people about it, the less gray it becomes. It's actually, I mean, I don't want to say it's quite clear, but it, it kind of is though. There are quite, um, you know, clear steps that, or steps in the test that you can uh, you can apply to your work. So for instance, what you just said, um, the, the, the transformativeness of something. Of course, that is, you know, a term that you can interpret uh, along a spectrum. But if, for instance, if your work, your work of someone else's work doesn't encroach on, say, um, the original uh, market for, for that original, then that is already a step in the right direction. Oh, right? interesting. So instance, okay. If you reuse a song, for instance, on your um, on your soundtrack, uh, and it has purely sort of aesthetical reasons because you think it's you know it sounds cool, um, but it actually um, might service the same people who are originally you know, fan of, of, of this music or would even, you know, flock to your video because they're interested in the music, then that would be a, a less transformative way of using that music right. than if you would do, say, something else to it. Okay. Um, in which you would... So, for instance, if there's a... Let's say that there's a narrative link that you have a character in your script who is a particular fan of a particular artist then already you have a much stronger case in why you would have to have certain kinds of music okay. on your yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed okay. to, I'm going to take this song because it sounds cool and it, it makes my images look look better. Interesting. And See, I think this is a nice kind of through line for your conversation yeah. later yeah, yeah, on exactly. with, uh, with, with the students. <laughs> I think that, because if you start there, then in and of itself, the students are going to, you know, the filmmakers are, you know... The, they know how to apply it to their They'll be work. like... Uh, Oh, okay, that makes more sense. And they'll use it in a way that fits more into the fair use, I guess. Um, But again, you know, you don't don't want to open that door completely either because... You know that could also. <laughs> yeah, and know. also, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not a legal specialist, so a, a, a couple of times, you know, this turns into sort of a, a a workshop where students then come up with all sorts of scenarios, like you know, what would happen, and could I do this, and could I do that, and and then I feel sort of. You know, sometimes a, a bit lost as well because they come up with the most, you know, extraordinary oh, yeah. uh, scenarios. When one wants to get away with something, one will find a way. You know, yeah, like. and I also think, you know what? It is also your job to do that. It yeah. is your job to push the boundaries. And I'm not saying I'm only interested in in legal uh, filmmaking, but what's or or within a legal confines. But I think what's interesting is if you know the rules, then you also know how to perhaps push them or perhaps break them a little bit. Um, uh, I can be very long about this. It's, no, it's it's, it's fine. It's, it's, fine. It's, it's sort of what I think uh, Dogma ninety five was. Yes. About. You know, yes. the whole the whole movement was about we're gonna break the rules because we know need, the rules. Yeah, and really. we know, and we need to to get our thoughts across yeah, and I mean, to get our creativity they, they across. They wanted to test, you know, their their the limits of their creativities in 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 a really interesting way by. Um, sort of limiting themselves and I kind of have a feeling that fair use and fair dealing I see in the same realm Mm -hmm. that you know you could do anything that you wanted but if you then want to take a commercial if you want to take it international um, someone's going to probably advise you to recut your work anyway Mm -hmm. so why Mm -hmm. not try to 
I don't know, do that from the beginning and understand the rules yourself. Yeah. As opposed to saying, um, there is this thing that I don't understand and I don't want to listen to, so I'll do it differently. <laughs> Knowing for a fact that, you know, you might not be able to, to get into an American festival or get a, um, a, a distribution deal. I don't know, I always think, you know, the... the the door, uh, the door to more creativity is 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 knowledge, and I'm quoting, uh, you know, the reclaiming fair use book here. <laughs> that, that's like the Bible when it comes. Uh, well, what was that quote? Um, the 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 door to uh, creativity is is knowledge, which is brilliant. You know, it's it's fantastic. Uh, knowing what you can make by understanding the rules that you're basing yourself on, I think is is always more important than than saying, I don't know the rules i don't want to know the rules i'm just going to do whatever i want anyway i think there's a beautiful line in the middle where you can just educate yourself and and i don't know do it do it in that aspect well i want to say thank you so much because this was a beautiful conversation this is amazing um screeners you can catch more of my mini conversations uh throughout the week Uh, i'll be trying to upload those as much as possible Thank you, Claudie. Have a wonderful lecture later on. And uh, screeners, make sure you catch our episodes, our uh, official Script to Screen episodes, News Hour and Spotlight every Friday and Saturday. See you later, guys. Bye.